0: good morning everybody today we will be learning daf tzadik hei masechet but we will begin and if we are so fortunate we will finish the parak and start our last parak. but first we're 13 lines up on tzadik daladam and bays what are we talking about over here well we had talked about a mishnah where there was a break in a house and in a wall in two places there's machlokas whether the pesach that was the, represented the break there was two ways to interpret um these halachos one was where the breach is more than 10 amos and the other, that's, Rav's, uh, that's Shmuel shita. And Rav shita was where the breach was less than 10 amos. Okay. And so we explained yesterday, we went through the legs of explaining Shmuel shita and Rav shita and how that works and why it wouldn't, wouldn't work in, in the various cases. And now we just finish off that idea by asking why they didn't hold like each other as follows. Says the Gemara, 13 lines up. Shmuel lo amakarav. Why did Shmuel, again, who said that the cases were where the breach must be more than 10 amas, um, in, ter- in breach in terms of width, in a real breach. Why did you not hold like Rav? Because Allah salam Because in order to understand Rav, we have to say that the roof Right, We were talking about pitikra, and we had to say that there, we're talking about a slanted, alachson means a diagonal, a slanted roof, which does not give you the opportunity to say pitikra yore v'sosem. We don't draw the imaginary curtain coming down from such a roof. However, Shmuel would say to Rav, uh, your shita is a beautiful Sheetah but we don't see any evidence of a slanted roof in the Mishnah, and therefore it's not implied in the words. So that's why Shmuel didn't hold like Rav. And why did Rav not hold like Shmuel? Why did Rav not like about the shot where it's bigger than Tanamas? Because in imkain havyele havye achsadra more for not a linguistic reason in the Mishnah but for a halakhic reason because after all Shmuel and Rav had a machlokas about a gazebo and Achsadra. you could call it a gazebo or a pavilion open on four sides right so as we had recalled that pavilion open on four sides right rav held that you can carry because you have feik and yarden v'sosem even though it's open on all four sides you still can uh, imagine curtains coming down and walls on all four sides. So that's the only reason why that second approach actually works for Rav. That would not work for Shmuel, as the Gemara continues to say. But Rav letamei, right? This case of the gazebo, Rav is consistent with his own shita. Because Rav, in fact, holds that even in such an, a gazebo that has no walls, Rav would allow you to carry in all in in all of it, which means to say that he counts the walls as halakhically valid for mechitzas as where is the source for that as follows we already said you have a gazebo in an open field rav is going to allow you to carry through all of it recorded this yesterday the shmuel says you can't carry in it as we've been mentioning to say that you can carry four amos is right tantamount to saying you can't carry at all because that's the maximum you can carry like in a or in an area that has no mechitsos at all so why says the gemara because because we say that in fact the roof of said gazebo has um, this ability to bring down these imaginary walls. And Shmuel, in contrast, holds that we don't say, and that's why, as we said before, However, uh, Shmuel, it's not that Shmuel holds that we, does that we don't say p'tikrayad v'sosim at all, um, but we said Shmuel would simply not say in the case where all four walls were not existent. He would need at least one wall to be there uh, physically in order to bring down the imaginary halachic walls of Yorid v'sosim. The word technically means the edge of the roof. The tikra is the roof. The ceiling goes down Yorid v'sosim and creates a stima or a machita of a halachic wall. Okay. So now let's discuss uh, a little bit more about this gazebo. Four lines up from the bottom side of the base. Says the Gemara, and this Machlokusi and Shmuel. We said to SR Kule Alma When you say that the gazebo does not exceed the ten Amah, right gap on every side, then even Rav and Shmuel agree that carrying would be permitted. In other words, and that makes sense, obviously, right? Because if you have posts of a gazebo and then like a top of a gazebo and it's less than ten amos, so then that's what we call a pesach, right? That's just an opening. An opening is a doorway. A doorway is always captured as part of a machiza. So even Shmu would agree to that. However, kipligi beyaser may esa. The be when said opening would be bigger than ten amos. The e the army, that's one way of saying it. Another way of saying it is beyaser kule pligi. that everyone would agree when it's more than ten amos wide, right? This was another it'd be another um approach. There everyone would agree that you can't carry. Because maybe we only say P-Tikra in a case where, uh, really, it's about would we say P-Tikra in all four sides, in a case where all four sides are more than 10 Amos. So one could argue that maybe in such a case, you would not go so far as to say that even on all four sides, you would say P-Tikra when each of the sides is more than 10 Amos. However, that they argue, perhaps they argue, when the openings are less than 10 Amos, then maybe there would be Machlokas where Shmuel would say even then you would need to have one solid wall, and Rav would say that in such a case where the walls only in such a case where the walls are less than ten amos wide of an opening only there would Rav say that you can have pitikra on all four walls. Okay, so in light of that, Rav Yehuda, himself said as we turn inside the cave and korah arba matir You might recall that when we talked about a korah right a couple weeks ago. This is the beam in a ruin in the in the churva. Okay, Rav Nachman Arba bar Avuha, korah arba matir b'main. What's this korah arba matir So we said. If you have, let's say, a beam, and the beam is at least what? wide, So now it's considered its own rishus. It allows you to carry where? It allows you to carry under the Korah, in a Chorva. Why? Because you take the edges of said Korah, of this beam, and you say, you bring him down, and then in that area by a Chorva, then what? Then in that area by a you're allowed to carry. Well, if you're allowed to carry, now, the Chorva is a complete ruin. And by definition, a Chorva is defined as a place where the breach is more than 10, Amos, wide. That's what defines it as a Chorva. So if you can carry under a beam, in a Chorva, it seems to imply that you should be able to carry, right, and, and say, Piti is so same in a gazebo as well. And Rav Nachman says, kor Arba Mati it would be allowed you to carry, right, uh, uh, over the water, where the beam extends, in Mani. And which opinion does that reflect? L'Hochlish and Amos According to the first version, right, when you say that machlokus is, is where it's 10 Amos or less, meaning, right, right that the is. Uh, that, I'm sorry, that when there's ten amos or less, they, the Rav and Shmuel don't argue, which is to say that they argue in a case where it's ten amos or more, which is to say that Rav holds that p-tikra applies even in a case where it's more than ten amos, right? So this is a, a, a stepwise way of saying that, of favoring the first interpretation, because we see that just like in a churva, you're going to say p-tikra, so therefore, you should be able to say p-tikra in a gazebo, at least according to Rav, there should be a sheet that holds that p-tikra would in fact work where there is an opening that's greater than ten amos, just like there is one in a khurva. Oh. Now, so there we could say that maybe refers to beams whose size is 10 amos or narrower. In other words, the, this whole idea of bringing the beam in, right, the beam in as a raya, to the fact that we hold by the 10 amos mm or more is probably where the machlokas is, that would only work if the said beam was over a span that was more than 10 amos mm wide. But it could be that that case was talking about a beam that was 10 amos mm or less. In which case, that would not teach you anything. It wouldn't be instructive about how wide that beam would be. So we say, So according to that second version, right, if you say that that's what the machlokis was about, so then that would dictate where the machlokis is, right? And then, and then we would say, in, in that case, kirav. You must say that the statements of Yehuda and Nachman, in both cases, because of the fact that the width are going to dictate. Right. In other words, in both cases, because of the fact that we're going to use the beam in a chorva to teach you what the halakha will be in the gazebo, so in both those cases, they say that that beam works. So either way, they're representing Rav's position, because Rav's position is that the peak rate works. So again, if you, so, the first lashon is that the beam, right? The first approach is that the beams are wider than ten amos. So you could say that the machlokas about the beam in the churva is over a beam that's wider than ten amos, and then that's where the machlokas is, and that's where Rav is going to say, just like right these these versions of Nachman or Yehuda, right? that's when Rav's going to say that the P-T-K-R-Yard is works. Or you could say that the case of the beam is ten amos or less, and then that's where Rav's going to say that the P-T-K-R-Yard is work. He's going to argue with Shmuel, but in the case where it's wider than ten amos, neither of them would say that it works. But be that as it may, this Machlokas of the Korah Arba is going to reflect the position of Rav in the gazebo. Okay, now, another consideration here, before we get to the two dots, is whether this Machlokas of Rav Shmuel is in fact a reflection of the Machlokas of Baye and Rav, uh that we're going to have Coming up as follows, Lema says the Lema from Maybe Abai and Rava with the following machlokas are going to also reflect the machlokas as follows. Did not. So we already had this kind of machlokas. We saw, okay, that if you place on top of, we'll call it a gazebo, right? In this case, it's a gazebo. We had earlier had a similar case. Well, it sounded it had the same words, but we said that it was more of like a, like an entranceway or a corridor, um, and so the pavilion there had walls on either side two walls, but it's clear from the context here, and this is what the art scroll quotes of the Maharshal is saying that Rashi is explaining, that in fact this case is different than the other case, even though they sound identical, so when we say sider here, imagine a gazebo that's open on all four sides, that's important, otherwise it could be confusing. So, the inmar, gabi what are the patzimin? They're posts. Okay, so you have, uh, let's say, a gazebo with posts placed less than three tfachim, uh from each other around the perimeter. Ah, uh, Andrew's eyes light up, he loves the love of principle, okay. So that is Kasher obviously, right, you don't need to have solid walls, right, you could just have these posts placed around. However, Ein Petimin. So now, Ein Petimin. It's a straight up open gazebo, straight up open open air gazebo. Abai Amar Ksheira, the Amar P'sula. So Abai is going to say it's fine, and Rava is going to say that it's possible. Well, that sounds exactly like what the Machokis Kes Rav Whether a open air gazebo has piktik or yard on all four sides, Abai would say like Rav, and Rava would say like Shmuel. So the Gemara, Abai Amar Ksheira, Amar Piktik or yard v'soysem, the Rava Amar P'sula, along with Piktik or yard So it sounds like this: Mechel Abai and Rava is a straight up uh, reflection of Mechel Kes as the Gemara now spells out. The Gemara concludes, in fact, that the gazebo for Hilchah Shabbos and the gazebo for Hilcha Sukkah might, in fact, be different, as follows. It says the Rav." So Shmuel, who's not going to allow Pitikra in this Sukkah, so everyone who's agreed that the Sukkah is going to, not, is going to be puzzled. However, however, Abay and Ravah, what the Gemara is saying here now is that Abay and Ravah, in fact, are not a straight-up pure reflection of Rav and Shmuel, but in fact, they might be arguing within Rav. How so? Well, both Abayah and Rav would agree that Shemuel would say that the sukkah is possible. However, Abayah and Rav would disagree about whether Rav, they, in other words, Abayah and Rav know that Rav would allow this gazebo in a case with regards to Hilchah Shabbos. But they might disagree about whether he would extend that allowance to a sukkah as well, as follows. Abaye can Rav, because abaye is going to say that this is good enough for a sukkah. However, mm-hmm. Ravah understands even even within Rav that Rav, even though he would allow an open air gazebo to carry on Shabbos, he's not going to allow it for sukkahs to be a valid sukkah. Why? Because Adkan Rav Mechitos Avideh. Because again, these mechitos are good enough to make a achsadra for Shabbos. Aval Hacha Dehanei Mechitos Lav La Avideh. Lo. However, in case of sukkah, these mechizos will not work for sukkah purposes. There, Rav would not apply pizikra. Now, really, the Gemara isn't really being very descriptive. It's not explaining what the difference between uh, the sukkah for Shabbos and the sukkah for sukkah would be. In fact, there have been, you know, when you talk about and all different kinds of scenarios, we've used sukkah before, in fact, as a model for what we're going to consider mechizos. Sometimes, you know, that is a comparison that we make. And Rashi helps a little, doesn't help much. You see Rashi over here, lav le sukkah, l'shem sukkah, So he seems to imply that whereas the gazebo from Mechitzah Shabbos, that's just straight up are these Mechitzahs present or not? Whereas Zuchus, it has to have a little more of an element of having a Mechitzah there for the purposes of sukkah. This is a, this is a classic thing that you would need real even for. I can see Rabbinical's gross shlita talking about this. Because he says the shame sukkah, because it's very fuzzy, as Rabbi Stafford would say. Because what does Rashi here say? Right? Because at the end of the day, you really don't need the walls of the sukkah to be lishma. You only need the schach to be lishma. So he's saying, even though the walls technically, in fact, don't have to be lishma, kule hai mihalo mekilinan. Like, we're not going to go so far as to say that it doesn't have to have, like, even exist. So Rashi isn't really saying the lump to spelled out. You have to, like, flesh it out. But it sounds like he's basically saying that out of this halacha, that this skach of a sukkah has to be the shema, perhaps we can even say, this would be like a data point to show you, right? There is, we know that there's machlokas, whether building the walls of a sukkah. Ha, ha, is a mitzvah? Is it a hechsher mitzvah? Right. So this, there is. This would be a data point to say that there is something to the walls of the sukkah that's more than just are these machitzas here. There has to be some element of it's deliberately there, right? As opposed to right when you come to machitza Shabbos, literally you could just use p'tik or yariv for Rav for all four walls. Something about sukkah needs to be more deliberate. Where even Rav, according to Rav at least, would not allow. Is it? Uh, yeah. Even Ra, Rav, according to Rav, would say that P'tikoryarv works for, for for Shabbos, but it does not work for Sukkot. It needs to be more Lishma in some way. Even though not Lishma, technically, in the way that the Aschach uh, is, so very, very interesting. So when that comes up, you'll have this uh, background as a data point to show to show for Rav's opinion with regards to how P'tikoryarv of Rav would not apply to Sukkot. Beautiful. All right, two dots, sixteen lines up from the bottom of Pesachikayim Adal. From Im Mutarin. What's going on here? He said, if if we had that interesting statement in the Mishnah. Says, look at your erev. If your erev is going to be permitted for Shabbos, it's going to be permitted for future Shabbosos. So obviously, Rabbi Yosi is saying that whatever it is now, it's going to be permitted for future Shabbosos. This should be obvious, but still, the Gemara asks, "Tibaylu, Rabbi lesser, lahatir?" Is he trying to say, lahatir?" So the says, It's clear that what he's saying is that if you look at Right. That if you look at the future and it's not going to work past Shabbos, then it shouldn't work today. It's clear that that's what you say. Right. In other words, but he uses an interesting formulation. Right. He says, if it's permitted for this Shabbos, it's permitted for all future Shabbos. So really, clearly, he's not trying to say that you can have an Erev and then once you have an Erev, then it doesn't matter. No matter what happens to that error, like even if it falls down once, as long as it's permitted one time, it's going to be permitted forever. You could literally like dismantle it and pack it up, and you'll, this community will always have an error. That that doesn't make any sense, and so it's interesting that they even asked the question. Be that made, they asked the question, and they all said, no, of course that's not what he means. He means that if it's going to be kosher in the future, so that will determine whether you could use it this Shabbos, even though it fell down. And says the Gemara, Tanya we also have a Brisa that just spells this out explicitly as follows. Shabbos. So there he's more explicit, less poetic. And right, and ambiguous. Okay, so we know that that's what he meant. Fine. Finally, Itma bar amar In fact, the um, like That in fact, carrying as soon as the right as the air falls down on Shabbos, you're no longer allowed to carry. Shemul amar So that was in fact the halachah. Shemul that even if the air falls down, so at least for the rest of that Shabbos, not for next Shabbos, but at least for the rest of that Shabbos, you could still carry. Okay, Ami hachi? Shmuel really said that Lachazag Rabbi Yehuda asked the Gemara? Like that's naan. And after all, we learned in the Mishnah a few weeks ago, almost exactly two weeks ago, we said, Amar Rabbi Yehuda amurim? Right, in that case, we were talking about uh, a person make, being kind of an heir for another person, as you might, as you might recall. So that's, that was the context. But we'll see that the statement at the end of the Mishnah is really what we're after. But the context was, when did we say that one person could be a person for the other Remember when we said that Zachin la'adam um, shala b' Right? And we said that an eruv around the community, everybody wants that, so that I could do on your behalf. But an eruv tchumim, right? It's a zero sum game. If I allow, if I am mezakeh and you're not around, and I am mezakeh to the east, so then that just limits you from going west. So for that, I'll need your consent. Anyway, that was a the discussion there. So let's see inside. We said, so the eruv tchumim, of course, we're going to say. I'm sorry. The is when you're going to have to have the other person's consent. but in right our of our community era, you can do that with or without Andrew's consent. That's what we said over there, and to our point, and there, and that's where we added. Ah, and that's where we said that everywhere we said Rabbi that's Rabbi Yehuda's the Aravim expert. Wherever we bring up Rabbi Yehuda's sheet with Aravim, we agree with him. Remember we talked about Rabbi from Baghdad. So he said to Yehuda, the Shmuel, did, um, did Shmuel say that the lacha follows Rabbi Huda? Even in the case where what the Mabayakora and Lechi fell on Shabbos. So you might recall this is all a quote from that Gemara. In other words, it's interesting. Rabbi Huda had a sheet that nobody held by, because you might recall that even if the, right, the Korah or the, of the mavoi, if they, if that fell apart, right, then you could still use the Erev. So at the time when we learned it, right, we, we had quoted it, but now this is where we learned it, right, this is where we learned the idea that Behuda is gonna, could say that that Erev is gonna be valid for the entirety of Shabbos even if it completely falls down. And that, if you might recall, that's where we said, well, it can't be like we hold like Rebbehuda on everything because we certainly don't hold like Rebbehuda on that shita that's far out. And you might recall, uh, we just mentioned Pinnacle's verse shita, this is where we said the fundamental idea. I said over there that Be'erevin, that I was talking about Erevin, and as we said and as we've been saying all along in Masechus Erevin as we're about to finish within about a week, We've been saying that Erevin is the consortium, the shutras that we all have. In the Chatz there, that's what's called Erevin. The actual Lechi and Korah, the construction of the said Erev, what we colloquially call the Erev, that's not really Erevin. That's Mechitzah Shabbos. So with regards to Mechitzah Shabbos, we don't follow the Yehuda. We only follow the Yehuda with regards to the actual Erevin. So in the case of whether you have to say do you have to, uh, give somebody consent in order to include you in the Erev? That's a real Erev concept, right? That's that, there we have to hold like Rabbi Huda. That's a concept of Shutras, right? But when it comes to the actual construction of and car falling down, that's not Erev, that's Mechit's Shabbos. Oh, so we see that the Lacha does not follow Rabbi Huda in the case of that, of, of the idea of Mechit's Shabbos. So now, right, we have that question of, do we have to hold like Rabbi Huda in our Mishnah? In other words, Shmuel said, in our Mishnah, the Lacha is like Rabbi Huda that the Erev that falls down is going to be great forever. And so we are saying from the end of this little dialogue that we had already two weeks ago, it seems that nobody holds like that. So how could Shmuel hold like that? Is not only does nobody hold like that. We brought the fact that nobody holds like that, that the error falling down is no longer valid. We brought that as a right, as a data, as a data point against Shmuel that the halacha is always like Rabbi Yehuda, right? Against Rabbi Yehuda and Shmuel that the halacha is always like Rabbi Yehuda. We said it can't be. It's always like Rabbi Yehuda because we don't hold like him here. So how could Shmuel hold like Rabbi Yehuda, or that? that how could Shmuel hold that the halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda in our Mishnah? So the Gemara resolves it. Yeah, this is a good question what you're asking. How could Shmuel say that the like Rabbi Yehuda, again, that an heir that falls down is valid for the rest of Shabbos? It's a good question that you're asking. And guess who explained it to me? Shmuel himself explained it to me. And I'll tell you what Shmuel meant when he said that the Lachas like Rabbi Yehuda, as follows. Shmuel said, Wow. And in a case where you're talking about an of uh, what we call colloquially an of that falls down, that's enclosing a Carmelis, that would be okay, and we would hold like Rabbi Yehuda. Wow. However, when it's open to Rishusha Rabin, where the stakes are higher, right, because that would be an Isidor Raisa, then we're going to hold like Rabbi, uh, then we're not going to hold like Rabbi Yehuda. Nifetz says Rashi, Shari Rabbi Yehuda, Asi, La'fuke, Lavi, Risa So it comes down to, we can hold like Rabbi Yehuda, that the Arab is still good, when you're talking about stakes that are Durbanan. And there that's where Shmuel holds like Rabbi Huda. But it's true that if you were talking about a Daraisa, presumably Rabbi Huda would still hold, even if it's open to Rishus Rabbim. And then that's what we're closing with the air. Rabbi Huda would still say that if it was up on Bainash Mash's suits, it would be okay. But that Shmuel's not going to go that far. Shmuel's not going to say that the Lakh is like a Huda in a Rishus Rabbim. He's only going to say that the Lakaz is like a Buddh if the stakes are thereabonan. Wow, incredible. All right, next Mishnah, Aliyah batim You build a you have a two you have two houses and you build like a second story. Again, you're gonna build almost like a bridge. This is gonna be, uh I always wanted to do this because we know, as we know, Andrew lives on one side of Rishasarabim, on the street, and Barry lives on the other side of the street. But I've always wanted to be able to go to their houses on Shabbos, right, without having to walk out in the rain. So what I'm doing is I'm gonna build a house that spans over the street like a bridge and actually connects, it becomes a second level to both Andrew and Barry's house on either side of the street. So so it's called, right, Abone Ali Al Batim. I'll be the bridge that bridges the gap between Barry and Andrew with my house over their house. Okay. That's one possibility. as we had said, by we're talking about a bridge but, and a road passes underneath. So it's really like a two-sided wall. Again, it's very making over here. He holds that you can actually carry underneath them on Shabbos. We're going to see and explain all this in Gamar. There it is. Again, it's an open mavoi. We had mentioned this in Da'ath uh, Bayz. the great Daf Yomi master of Ariel points points out that towards the end of the Masehtah, we, we like to pick up loose ends that we started in the beginning of the Isn't that interesting? And we did have a, a loose end at the beginning of the because the whole time we were talking about a Mavoi, we said, you know, later on in Arab there's a machlhaka's Rebuyun and Chachamim about this, where the Chachamim holds that you need to really have a a water, it's just a yachid. You need to have three enclosures in order to put a lachi in a qara. And Rabbiuda holds that even if it's mavoi mifulash, where it's open on both sides, you could put two lechis and qarahs and it works. So here it is, here's our Mishnah, that brings up that machlha. So the Mars discuss Rabbi rationale for allowing just two walls. I'm a Right? One could argue, what's the machokis of Behuda The machokis is that Rebbehuda holds a Raisa, all you need to have a Roshis yachid is two walls, and a Chachamim hold, what you need is three walls. And in other words, they both fundamentally agree that what does an Erev do? It takes a Roshis HaYachid and it makes it, like, even palatable der right? It's Roshis HaYachid but we don't want to carry because we're concerned. So we're going to say even me it's going to be okay by, by virtue of putting up the Erev, right? But fundamentally, they both agree with that. But the only question is, what constitutes a ha HaYachid Raisa? Is it three walls, like, according to the Chachamim, or two walls, according to Rebbehuda? What's the Raisa? Rashi, just as quick to point out, it's not like you're learning it from a Pasuk. It just means, Sinai. you see, in the Gemara Rashi, the Risa, Sinai. okay. Okay, so that's the kisavar Mechloches. So the Mechloches is not about how many Mechitzas are uh, the Raisa to include Rashi Sayaka. That they're all going to agree. The question is, are we going to hold P Tikra, right, in this case of, let's say, a bridge, right, that has an edge, and then you can put down the part- partitions. Okay, so wait a minute. Now, if you can put down the partitions, so again, if you hold P. Tikra, system. So let's say you have this house that I have over Andrew and Mary's house. So I have that house. So if the sides go down, then according to Rabbi Yehuda, then according to Rabbi Yehuda, I have four walls, right? Two of them are legit, right, uh, construction. And the other two are P. Tikra. And then I got four walls. So that's going to be what the Gemara is going to challenge here. Eswe Abaye. Abaye. is going to challenge as follows. The Mishnah had said, Right? The Oed Amar Rabbi Yehuda. The right? So he says, Wait, where right? So he says, by right, the person who has, um this is really not quoted here, but this is the part of the Braissa that Abaye was aware of, where it said, Yes, let's say somebody has two houses and two opposite sides of Shisarabim. Oh, so Lakimikana lechem Khan. Oh, Karmi Khan, Karmi Khan, the noise of a nice imba, and uh uh so, what Abai is pointing out is something that we had not seen before. Certainly, the case of the Mishnah, where you have my house spanning across Rosh Hashanah, between Andrew and Barry's house, or where you have like an actual bridge. So there you have a physical bridge, and you can drop down or Yard of from there. So from there, maybe you could say that that's the Machlokas. But Abai is pointing out that the earlier part of the Brysa, it was even more extreme. In that earlier part of the Brysa, there was no physical barrier across. It was an area of, it was a Lechimikan So let's say you had, right, Barry's house on one side, Andrew's house on the other side of Rosh Hashanah, all you did was extend like a beam across. Even there! Even there! Um, right, Rabbi Yehud is going to say, and it's clearly there, it's not because of the physical presence of a wall, it's, it's Ptikriya, right, and still, right, they said to him, and there where Chachamim said, no, you can't be Arab in a rabbi In other words, what he did there was he just basically made an Arab on either side. That was like a, right, that was like a mavoi totally mifulash, where he's only not putting something physical, but an actual Arab. So we see that what's, What's what you're creating? Rishon Yachid. According to Rabbi Yehuda, why would that work? That would only work if Rabbi Yehuda holds literally what we just said was not the machlokas. That really it is fundamentally machlokas about how many walls you physically need for Shesi Yachid. Where the Chachamim holds three, which is what we're used to, and Rabbi Yehuda actually holds that you, all you need is two walls, right? So over here, because here we don't use pitikra, so obviously the machlokas and still Rabbi Yehuda says you can carry. So obviously the machlokas is not pitikra, but rather the machlokas is what is the number of walls that you need in order to make a biblical versus Yachid. Oh. So Rabbi answered him, in from the brayza, yeah, that that in fact shows you that Rabbi holds that two walls are nafar shesayachid. But meha leka le mish mish mina. But what I meant from the, what I meant when I said. That, you, that our Mishnah, again, right, Rabba has to explain to Abaye that really it is a machlokas. Everybody knows that Rabbi Yehuda and Chachamim have this fundamental machlokas about how many walls you need to make a Rishas Hayachid. All I was saying, says Rabba, is that that's not what we learned from our Mishnah. That you can't actually infer that from our Mishnah because our Mishnah could be talking about a case of Pitikra, but be that as it may, we certainly do have the machlokas by the number of walls between Rabbi Ud and Chachamim about how many walls comprise a Rishas Hayachid as well. It just happens to be that's not the machlokas from our Mishnah. To which Amar Rabashi comes back and says, No, you could have even learned it in our Mishnah itself if you read our Mishnah carefully, you see shades of that Machlokas in our Mishnah itself, as follows. A, a real careful reading of a Mishnah reflects that Machlokas between the two and the three as, uh, as well. How so? Because our Mishnah says the Ode Amar Rabbi Yehuda. The Ode Amar Rabbi Yehuda implies that we already learned something and now we're learning something new, right? So we say, foolish, we say, so we see that there's some additional lesson here from the fact that Rabbi Yehuda not only argued with regards to the bridge and to the house that I built on top of Andrew and Barry, but he also argued by Maravim and Foolish. What does it mean that he also argued? What's this? V'od? So I Iyamitz Bishleim and Mishim particularly Peticular Yard same. If you're going to say, well, that, Maravim and Foolish is also talking about the Machlokas of Yard V'saysayim. that D'Ketani V'od. So why would the Mishnist say, right, V'od? Iyamitz Bishim T'kasavar, Shtey, in other words, if the first or the second lesson is the same lesson, um, in other words, if if the first lesson is particular and the second lesson is a different lesson, or vice versa, so that would make sense that you're teaching something further. Right? but if you say the reason, right, that Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda holds that you, that you can carry is because of the machitza daraisa. Why does it say ve'od? So shmamina, we learned from that that rabbah is correct, that whether two or three machitzas or daraisa is really the machlokas, right? And then ve'od just illustrates that it's introducing a different machlokas. So basically, the concept of ve'od teaches you that you learn two things. So if you were only to learn one thing from our Mishnah, so maybe you'd say, okay, we're only learning pitik R'yod, or Sosem. But once we learn two things, so you have no choice but to learn both the concept of pitik R'yod, or Sosem, as well as the allusion to the more fundamental machlokas between Rehuda and the Chachamim, about how many walls you need to create a Rishis HaYachet where the Chachamim will hold three, which is what we're used to, and Rabbi Yehuda holds two, Hadron Allah called Gagos. We were able to learn all called Gagos. Beautiful. May we return to it, and Chazer, and learn it in depth and breadth. Okay. So now we arrive at the, ten, at the bottom of at the tenth and final paragraph of Masechah's Ervin. Amazing. Shekha Now, what is the topic of this? This is called the Moitzi feeling. Tvilim. We're going to learn about Tvilim. We're going to learn a little bit, actually. Today, you're going to learn about the proper placement of Tvilim. This is one of the sources. Um, But really, it's about Hotsa. Hamotzi. It's the first word of this parak. Because we're going back to Hotsa. This is the journey we started. Right. We have uh, Shabbos and Erevin all all about Hotsa. It's the journey we started at the beginning of Shabbos. And so we get back to the uh, the loose ends of Hotsa. As follows, says the Mishnah. A lot of these things that we're going to quote now are stuff, are things that we quoted all, all along. But this is the Locus Classicus as Rabbi Rosenzweig and other intellectuals would say. This is the this is the primary source material. As follows, says the Mishnah. A said, says tefillin, so you find tefillin in a field. Okay, so now you find tefillin in a field, and you can't just leave it in the field because you don't want it to be destroyed. So you want to protect the tefillin. You don't know whose they are, and so. But the problem is that it's in a field. You don't want to be able. You're not allowed to carry. You find it in an area where there's no air So how are you going to bring these tefillin back into sa- to safety? So. Two suggestions. Zug Zug. Right? So the Tanakhama, the we are gonna say you should bring them into your house by wearing them pair zug zug, meaning a zug is what we call colloquially, a pair of tefillin right? One pair of tefillin at a time. We'll see what all this means. Rem else we'll has two pairs of trillion at a time. Why we'll would he be machlokas of one versus two pairs of filling at a time? We'll see. Says the mission, This is only old trillin, But if the trillin are new, then you're potter. Uh, this is different than what we, you know, when we see like a bar mitzvah boy with his super shiny straps, we don't, that's not what it's talking about over here. And we know that those are new tefillin, that's not what it's talking about here. In those days, you could tell that the old tefillin, the straps were properly constructed, and they were actual tefillin, but there was a proliferation of what you might recall from the Shabbos, the Kamiya, right, the amulets. That were not, didn't have Kadusha at all, right? They just had like weird incantations in them. So those, and we, remember, we had a whole uh, whole discussion of Kabirs there in Messiah Shabbos. So those amulets didn't have Kadusha. For those, we would not allow you, okay, to carry those things. So basically, what the refresher explained here is that new tefillin and amulets were indistinguishable. So what you end up having is a suffix. Now, it is interesting to note that if you have a suffix, whether it's tefillin or an amulet, we're not going to let you carry it inside. That's interesting. But be that as it may, the point of Yeshannos and Kedushas here is that Kadushas, you're not sure that it's filling altogether. Yeshanos, you know that it's fillin. Okay, now. What if you found large numbers of tefillin tied up or krichos or in bundles? So then you're, you're stuck. Why? Because even if you were to go back and forth, and I know Andrew, you would spare no effort. You'd spend the rest of your Shabbos bringing in those tefillin to safety. But even if you did that, there's just—and I know that you've also been running and all that—but there's just not enough time left in Shabbos to bring it to safety. It's a, it's a fool's errand. So it's a—it's a, it's a, right. You're never going to make it. There's just too many tefillin here. So when there's too many tefillin to protect, then mash means Andrew, you're going to babysit these tefillin until dark. And then, after Shabbos, you're bring him back to safety. Where were you, Laini will say? I was watching this fill in Lainey. Okay. Now, what about if it's dangerous to hang around over there until Shabbos ends? So then you should still do your best. It's an interesting mission, right? You should cover them. the Then you go home. Ah, the old passing off Assembly line shtick. You should give your shilin to your friend, Javier Javier and his friend should give it to his friend, and you keep just passing one to the other. How does that work? Because presumably he's saying, right, this is probably not a shtick that we would allow in normal circumstances. It probably would only work in a time of danger where you have to have it. But what we do is you are not each person is not carrying it dalit and there you do the handoff technique. Okay, until you finally get to the outer courtyard of the city, right, and then. You're going to be able to bring it into into the courtyard. Now the article quotes the goy Yaakov who says that the last person can't place him into the courtyard himself, right? So even there, that would be a lachaber raisa. But he's going to have to again, even in that case, extended hand in and let someone else inside pick up the tefillin. Again, bringing us back not only the beginning of the of eruvin, but to the very first mishnah in the of shabbos. Right? The idea of akira, hatsa, hanacha. Isn't amazing how we tie it all together in a bow? Okay okay so then also if you have a child what's going on here well the child was born in the field you have to obviously bring him back in you're not going to just leave him out there so we see that in cases amazing it compares to a live child that in those unique cases you're going to have to do the um the human change stick even if you have a hundred even if you need a hundred friends and Rabbi Yehuda, again he's been very make all day and here too he's saying you can give a barrel to your friend just to bring in a barrel why because you don't want to lose the money the the I feel Not only can you even do it with the barrel, but you can even go behind the chum. the said to him, What are you saying? Not You can't do that to the barrel. Any more than you can do for a person. In other words, a human being can't pass the chum, right? A Jew. So you can to say that the barrel can pass the chum? Wow. Very action-packed Mishnah. Let's dig into the Gemara. Uh, it's gonna take more than just today, so we have a lot of interesting ideas to look forward to for today and tomorrow. So let's see. Says the Gemara. Zug echad in Now. We have the Tanakama, right? The Tanakama said, what oh, was the machokas? Tanakama said you can bring in one pair of Son, and Ramila said two. Okay, so clearly Zug, it, even though it means a pair, it means one pair of two. So the man asks, Name non mayor." are we gonna say that we learned here an anonymous Mishnah that doesn't agree with the mayor? Why? Because we have a general clause, Mishnah mayor. So if you have a Tanakama and we don't have anybody attributed to him, so it must be that it's a mayor. However, it doesn't sound like a Bimer Shita that you would bring only one pair of How do we know? Because the eat of Omar, did the not say Lovish What was that case? House is on fire. House on fire and you're taking everything out. Now, and you gotta carry. Stuff is on fire and you gotta carry it out. Your mayor said, just put everything on, right? Like, like, like you're going on Delta Airlines and you can't bring a carry-on. So you wear your whole wardrobe on your body. So, kol latov, and wrap yourself in clothing, everything that you can wrap yourself. It's we say in the Mishnah, this was, we learned in Kavches, Ulisham, and there in the courtyard next to the fire, kol kli, lovish kol bring out everything, wear everything you can, but, kol latov, wear absolutely everything you can, and then put your carry-on on your head like a hat. Now, the Gemara now says that 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 could reflect the Rabbi Meir. Why? But he stopped me might How do we know that that other Stav Mishnah was, in fact, Rabbi Meir, the Allah? Because there we said a Brysa. The Brisa explicitly said, Lovish Mutsiyah poshet." that you can wear the all those clothing, Lovish and then put on different clothing. In fact, right, it was, it was Rabbi Meir over there. So we have a problem, because if the Stab Mishnah over there, Travis Kochess, was Rabbi Meir, and Rebbe, the Stab Mishnah here is also Rabbi Meir, well, we have a contradiction, because there, Rabbi Meir allowed you to put on all these types of clothing, and over here by us, he's only letting us carry one pair of films. So why would that be? So rubber is going to reconcile it in a, in a very simple way. He's going to say, clothing isn't like filling As follows, I'm a rubber I feel a tame Rabbi Meir, even Rabbi Meir, who's going to let you carry as many clothes as you physically can on yourself uh, to save on Shabbos to save from fire. Whatever you can do during the week. Now you don't really dress like that, like a vagabond with all of your wardrobe on you all day during the week, but there are scenarios, let's say it's very, very cold or whatever it is that you're going to bundle up. So, so where's clothing? It's somewhat common. It's understandable to wear a lot of clothing. You wear your thermals and then your jacket and then your shirt and then your other jacket. So in both cases, it's We do have rishonim as to how to understand this, but I think the simplest way to understand this is how I believe they said the Rashba and the Ritva understand it, which is to say that filling you just don't wear multiple phillin. That's not how people wear phillin. People are putting filling on already. Wearing, uh, some people take them off and put on a bathing but nobody wears. Oh, and sometimes we do see very very rarely people putting on two pairs of phillin at a time and no more. But the idea is. That certainly more than that you're not gonna put it on there. So so the the uh maybe that's why it's remained right in town that you can wear more than one. We're gonna see. So anyway, Husan Dekhabushka Hol Shaver Bonander Hacha Dehabushka Hoshavon. The clothing you pile on, still you don't pylon. So Haksan de Bikol Kama Divai Lovish, since with clothing, however much clothing you want to wear, depending on how you're feeling that day, you could wear it. So then, the button. So with regards to saving the clothing, they are also going to allow it. Haha. where it's more acceptable, it's mainstream, to only wear one pair of fillin', So the hinnya notchal nami zug in they're only going to make allow you to wear one pair of fillin. So now we're 22 lines down, and we have a few more minutes. So we have the two dots here. Okay. So speaking of which, so so again, fillin' versus clothes. So now we're being up held that you can wear two pairs of tefillin. So we said, so says the Gemara. What's two? Wow, we're gonna get into real in here. If you hold that you can wear. It. Remember, this is on Shabbos, right? So if you wear tefillin aloud on Shabbos, in then you should only be allowed to wear one, one, one pair. This is very interesting. What exactly is going on in the Gemara? Rashi brings in the idea of. You know, as if you're doing it the same mitzvah, so then you can't wear multiple tefillin because you're actually fulfilling a mitzvah and now you're wearing extra. Wow. But if all you're doing is saving it. So, ironically, the fact that Shabbos is lavs tefillin means that now it's just an ornament. If it's just an ornament, then you can pile up the ornaments. Oh. So, says the Gemara, Shabbos lavs So, why is Rabbi Gemli when he says two? So, again, the question was, why would you just to say two? Two, if you, if you say this is tefillin, so then you should only be able to wear one. And if it's lavs mantfilin, you should wear more than two. So, says the, the Gemara, no. That he owes Shabbos lavs mantfilin, the that's all malbush. Yeah, but why is he limited to two? Because you physically can't wear more than two pairs of tefillin at a time. That's why. So, really, theoretically, he would allow more. But physically, you can't wear more than two. So, the Gemara says, echad nami in can, you, can you really fit more than one on you? Maybe one is the maximum number of tefillin that, that can fit on a human being. So, no. The head is big enough to, in fact, accommodate two pairs of tefillin. So, the Gemara says, Okay, at this point, the Gemara assumes that for the head, is there is room for two tefillin but for the arm there isn't over here we end up learning as an inference what is the proper placement of tefillin obviously right because he holds at the head you could hold there's a wider range of where you could place the shalroj as opposed to the yad where it's an hour range so that is something that we have to look forward to uh when we continue tomorrow about where the placement of tefillin is and how it relates to saving tefillin from the fields. fascinating we're finishing off about two-thirds of the way down on that's i'll pick up tomorrow right